Live, you can bring up anything you want. The toll free number for you to take control of the airwaves is 1 855 450 free. That's 855 450 3733. Joining you this evening, it's Ian, Nemi, and Mark. And we invite you to our website, of course, at freetalklive.com. We give you the features uh, there on the site completely free, so enjoy those on us once again. That's freetalklive.com. Unlike those other talk show hosts that want to charge you for their websites, go over and enjoy ours freetalklive.com you actually get to create the content there uh, so the the stuff you see on the front page those news stories or videos or blog posts whatever they might be were suggested by listeners just like you maybe it was you uh, that put that up there you can put whatever you want there on the site and then others vote as to whether or not they like or dislike what it is that you've placed there so go again to freetalklive dot com and get involved lots to discuss here tonight i know uh, nemi you wanted to talk about the ron paul uh, debate uh, maybe we'll get a chance to touch on that here in a little bit but there's big news in apparently it's new york city it's new york city and it, it's, and it's not, not the occupy protest no it's not the occupy protest and actually this has been going on since the article says 1973 but it's just becoming news now Really? Women of Brooklyn, welcome to 2011. Unless, of course, you happen to hop on the B-110 bus and have to sit in the back behind behind the men. The New York World explains, the what? B-110 is a city bus and open to the public, but in an unusual arrangement, it is operated by a private company to serve two Hasidic neighborhoods. And according to Hasidic rules to curb physical contact between the sexes, men sit in the front and women in the back. The New York World tested things. Why they pick the men in front and women in the back? Is that some kind of Hasidic rule, too, or is that just you know how they picked this to be? I don't know. Um, they do, according to the article, they do have uh, the the private company that operates this line does have a uh, a board of consulting rabbis, and they made the decree that okay. the the men sit in front and the women sit in back. Now, so, not really so, a surprise. I mean, many old religions are very paternalistic. Yeah, I'm just wondering if this is uh, this. It says it's run by a private company. Does that mean that uh, it's operated by a, a private company? Operated by a private company. So they're right. contracting. The government right. has contracted with them. Who owns operate. the bus? The city. Okay. Let's see. I do have a stat here for you. If you just let me scan the article for and, a and second. And amazingly, this has been going on since the 1970s. 1973. And That's we didn't right. know. We haven't <laughs> talked about this on the show. That's for no, sure. No, this is new. I've, I've never heard anything like this. I, I, <laughs> I'm stunned. I'm, Excuse no, me. I'm at least, at least 1973. Last year, the franchise paid the city $22,000, uh, $22,814 to operate the route, according to the New York City Department of Transportation. The franchise is paying the city. To operate, correct. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. I thought the city was con- you know, was hiring them to to do it, but it, they're paying the city for the right to run the city's bus loop. Correct, but it is still open to the public. And they, what they take the money that they get from it, I assume the company. Gets That's what the, it sounds like. It sounds like it sounds it. like a licensing fee of some sort. It's very strange. I'll bet you the company is a Hasidic Jew company that's set up for this particular purpose. Mm-hmm. That'd be a just a guess. The policies, day, the policies days may be numbered. This is a quote. This is a, a private company, but it is a public service. A DOT spokesman tells the world, which is published by Columbia Journalism School. 
the company has to comply with all applicable laws, in this case, ones that forbid gender discrimination. City said it is getting in touch with the private contractor. Wow. I mean, but it took this long. Uh, just amazing. Really, there must be hardly anybody but Hasidic Jews living in these neighborhoods, right? Because why, that's why, why no one's complained. I mean, so uh, essentially... If I walk onto this bus um, or a woman walks onto this bus, they have to sit. It's open to the public. It is a city bus, and you have to sit in a particular designated area. And yeah. I imagine that the rest of the public might have a problem with this. I would have a problem the women with women sitting in the back. I like to sit in the back of a bus. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wonder if I wonder if they would do the same thing to you that they did to the um, the test case, quote unquote, Melissa Franchi. Um, she was left in silence for a few minutes, although the other passengers gave her a noticeably wide berth. But Meaning as the she bus, sat up front. Right. Um, and, but as the bus began to fill up, the men told her that she had to get up and move to the back. It wow. wasn't the driver. It was the other passengers. So whether it's a policy of the company, which it does appear from the article to be, if they have a board of consulting rabbis that have decreed yeah. that, the, that male passengers sit in the front and, and women sit in the back, it's, it's really the other passengers on the bus who are doing the enforcement. This is so, it's so amazing to it's, me. It's like a step out of uh, the, I, I don't know what. I mean, it's, this is for, like from another century. This doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it totally is. I met, uh, when I went to New York City, uh, my wife and I were there at one point and, and we, I think we were going to see the Statue of Liberty on maybe a boat or something. I'm, I'm not even sure what we were doing, but it seemed like we were sitting in seats exposed. Maybe it was an uh, up and in bus or something. I don't know. But. We talked to this nice couple that was behind uh, behind us uh, sitting there, and you know the guy had on an odd hat, but I didn't really think about it in any way, shape, or form. And then, you know, I, I guess we were going to leave, and I went to shake his hand, and then, um, you know, my wife went to shake his hand also, and he said that his wife would shake my wife's hand for him or something like that. And they explained that they were Hasidic Jews, and, and he you know, can't touch her. These were young people, and I was just stunned by it. I guess I just expected Hasidic Jews to only be old, and I, obviously that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> only like you see him in the movies, right? Right. And uh, Some old and guy with guy, a beard. This guy didn't really have the whole <laughs> curly Q hair thing. And, right. I, I Did he have the hat? Yeah, he had the hat, but I didn't really didn't recognize him. Maybe I didn't notice. The, I don't know. I mean, I just didn't really yeah. think about it. Just was talking to some younger guy. I mean, is there anybody out there that it, that can appreciate this? That that thinks this is okay? That, that that hears about this news? Oh yeah, sure. We should separate men and women. I mean, who who besides some bizarre uh, esoteric religion would really be in support of something like this? Well, I'm I'm all fine and good if they would like to have their own bus and service their their own, uh, you know. But as soon as it's open to the public. You, you can't really do that. Well, now, here's the weird thing, right? I mean, it sounds like this is a situation that has to do with government monopoly because it sounds to me like this company is paying the government for the ability to run the government bus service in those particular neighborhoods and essentially guarantee them, you know, how many other buses can operate in these neighborhoods, I, I don't I would know. think none. Well, yeah, that's if, that's my. I don't. That's one part where I'd have to speculate. Is well, you know, we know that New York City has the taxi medallions, and those cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to uh, to get. And they're that's even if one's available, and they're very very restricted in the amount that uh, that are even available. So 
I don't know what you know. What is the difference in New York City between operating a taxi and operating a bus? How many? We know taxis are obviously allowed to have some level of competition, uh, but in the you know the world of city busing, who else can operate a bus in New York City? I I would hope that there are other companies that are doing that, but I don't really know. And so if you are one of our New York City listeners, maybe you can enlighten us on this. Is it possible for a, another Hasidic Jew company to come into that same area and open up a competing bus service? That, and get city buses uh, as a little spiff. And get – well, they have city buses. They're running city buses. Well, right. That, well, I, I don't know if it's – I don't mean necessarily the same company, but to have another company come in, is it possible to have two companies operating public buses – Meaning that it would be a privately run, privately operated bus that could have its own rules, but still service the public. It's like, here's the segregated bus. If you want to you know, sit in the segregated seats, you can sit here, and then it's not a city bus anymore. Then it's their, their own private property, and they can set whatever weird rules they want to, and you have to wear your little hat to, uh, to get on or, or whatever. But the question is, how many of you – know, is this even a possibility? Or is it you can only have the city bus, and that's why this company has come in, they've contracted with the city, so they can have the monopoly deal on operating a bus service in, in that area? I don't know. I can imagine how stunned this uh, this lady was who, who did this little bit of civil disobedience, sat in the bus and decided not to move. I can only imagine how stunned she was the first time she got on this bus and decided to ride it. What? Where? Who? I've got to sit in back? I think you'd have to call the National Guard if, if that happened to me. <laughs> you mean if you were on the bus? Yeah, if, if, if I were in her shoes. I'd be interested to see. I wonder if she had a video camera with her because I think that would be some very priceless uh, footage to have these Hasidic Jews trying to basically coerce her out of the seat in which she had chosen uh, on the bus. one 855 450 free. That's the toll-free number. If you're in New York City, you know about the, uh, more about the busing situation there. Curious to know about that. Of course, you can also bring up whatever's on your mind. Plus, other bus news, finger scanners. We'll tell you about that coming to a school bus near you. Coming up, Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want at 1-855-450-FREE. That's brought to you by SACL CAI, 855-450-3733. Joining you this evening, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. Hey, we've been talking about the Ron Paul campaign here on this program for a while now. And of course, uh, as you may know, if you've been paying attention for the last few weeks, we've been discussing the money bomb, as it is called. It's going on today, October 19th. That's now. Uh, Blackthisout.com is where you can go to become a part of the largest grassroots donation effort in history. Now, last time you checked, Mark, it was over a million dollars. Oh, yeah. Right? It's like one, 1. 1.5 last I one, saw it. $1. Right. $1.5 million. 
It's 1.54 right now. Just uh, from today alone. That's not too shabby. Now, it's not to the point where they were a year, you know, last time Term, around. It yeah, was 4 run. point something million, I think 4.3 million uh, back on November 5th, 2007. For the first money bomb ever. Right, which was a huge uh, occasion. Now, they've already had a few money bombs thus far in the campaign. Yes. Right? Uh, so I don't know what his campaign has raised total, but I thought it was getting up there in like the 10 million range. Um, I would have to check. I, I did see it at one point, but you, I didn't know you were going to ask me that question. Well, I, I didn't know either. Uh, blackthisout.com is where you can go. We'll keep you informed uh, t- throughout the, the show tonight as to where the, the totals are. I did give uh, a couple hundred bucks today to the Ron Paul campaign through blackthisout.com. It's basically you, you link over to Ron Paul's website. I thought they were going to have the, the counter on blackthisout.com, but that's just kind of like a, a lead-in page to get you where you need to go. That's blackthisout.com. Let the media Media know you won't stand by and let your freedom be blacked out. So as I understand, um, the Ron Paul campaign has uh, raised up to this point $3.7 million. Um, not bad. Yeah. So does uh, that include today's 1.5? No, 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 no. This absolutely does not count that. And but I'd like to point out that there are, you know, Perry and Romney are sitting in the double digits. I mean, they've, they've got 15 and 14 million. Mm-hmm. So um, if the Paul campaign wants to be considered a top tier candidate, and the people that want him to to win really need to you know they need to step up. Need to get is, the double digits. To some extent, these races are about money. They're not all about money. Sure, sure. But to some extent, they are, and I think that that's where Kane's um, campaign really has uh, sort of fallen down. Um, you know they. They've done some spending. The Paul campaign hasn't done as nearly as much spending, but um, you know they, the Kane campaign doesn't really have that much money. So uh, we can talk more about Ron Paul here in a little bit, but obviously that's great news. I mean, 1.5 million is 1.5 million more than they had before the day started today, and the, I would imagine they're going to eclipse two by the end of the night. But who knows? It might go crazy. They might hit three. You know, you never know what these money bombs are going to end up doing. And interestingly, uh, Michelle Seven uh, was telling me last night, who's been on the show a number of times in the past, uh, she was telling me that she is now in love with Ron Paul again. And this is a lady who got on the air with us and has talked real bad about voting and politicians. I saw that her her mind was changing. And, yeah. you know, I mean, these campaigns are exciting to some extent. I'm not going to say that that makes she it right or wrong. She thinks he has a chance. That I think he does have a chance. <laughs> it's a really weak field, you know? Yeah, it's hard for me to get my hopes up on that one. I'm not going to get my hopes up, yeah. but I'm just saying... Uh, you, uh, there's okay. always a chance, It's I a suppose. chance, right? Like, right. there's a chance if people vote for him. But who are they going to vote for at this point? Perry, he's lost his uh, shine, as has Bachman. Uh, it seems to me that Kane's ridiculous 999 plan is, going, is now being torn apart in the media, and people are seeing that, oh my goodness, if I vote for this guy and his plan, he's going to raise taxes on 80% of Americans. Mm. Who the heck wants that crap? So, uh, so in other news, uh, we'll get back to Ron Paul because there's always more to say about him. So we're back to the story in New York City where somebody got on a bus in a Hasidic neighborhood, which was ostensibly a city bus. Was it 110B or B110? B110. B110. It's in a Brooklyn uh, neighborhood. And it's apparently a bus that's been that's being operated by a company that is presumably run by Hasidic Jews that are uh, basically setting segregation rules. Now, look, I don't care what your religion is. I don't whatever your bizarro beliefs are doesn't bother me as long as you're not hurting somebody else doesn't matter to me. You can operate your own bus and set whatever rules you want to. If you have to, you know, if you have to wear a dunce hat to get on the bus, that's fine. 
uh, I don't care. But when you're operating something that is in tandem with this concept of the government where you know people are supposed to be treated equally, then I've got a problem with it. And, Nemi, I think you agree with me on that. Absolutely. Um, I, one more note from the article here. It says the, fran- the city's Franchise and Concession Review Committee defines a franchise on its website as, quote, the right to occupy or use the city's inalienable property, such as streets or parks, for a public service, e.g. transportation. So they have some kind of a deal uh, with the city that allows them to do this. And I was looking during the break to see if there was uh, maybe some more information on what kind of bus services are available in uh, New York City. I mean, if you've ever been to New York City before, you see buses everywhere. So they have these tour buses, for instance, that will take you, you know, to certain places. That's not exactly the same thing as a public bus that anybody can just hop on and get off a couple blocks or a few, do- few blocks down the line. So I'm wondering, and again, I know we've got people that listen in New York City. Uh, so if you want to clarify on this, you know, what what is it that uh, what light can you shine on this news story that maybe maybe we're missing something here? Because it seems pretty outrageous that this has been going on since the early 1970s. That there's been a bus or two, to, you know, tooling around uh, New York City, this metropolitan urban area that has actually been a segregated bus for the last. 40 years. See, this has to be basically a taxi cab or something, because otherwise it would take people to another stop where they would have to get on regular buses, and that wouldn't be, you know, uh, acceptable. Oh, contrary, Mark. <laughs> the B110 bus travels between Williamsburg and Borough Park in Brooklyn. It is open to the public and has a route number and tall blue bus stop signs, just like any other city bus. So why why are they just going to that one place? Maybe the the idea is that the Hasidic Jews just don't really ever leave that area. Or if they Maybe. do, they understand that, okay, well, now you've got to be possibly close to a woman. It's just very strange. It's very strange. It all, none of it makes any sense to me at all. Yeah, I've, I've never encountered anything like it. Would love to get your thoughts at one eight five five four fifty free. That's eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Is there anything else you feel like we need to share about this? No. No, I think I think we're good. All right. Well, there's more news about buses here, and here's one from WJHG.com. This is about, let's see, I don't even know where the hell this is, uh, Chipley. <laughs> Tell me where that one is. Uh, we'll figure that, that much out a little bit later here. It looks like it's, uh, looks like it's North Florida, North, uh, like, uh, like around the, uh, the Milton area, so the Tallahassee kind of range of Florida, Florida, Georgia area, Panama City, et cetera. Anyway, finger scanning devices are coming to Washington County school buses. According to the story, roll call is a thing of the past in Washington County schools. Students now check in with finger scanning devices. So, hey, it's already here. They're, they're telling you that now the finger scanning devices will be expanding. So this is news to me. I didn't know that kids were checking in at the school classroom with a thumbprint scan or a finger scanner. I'm stunned. A little I, scary. I didn't know it either. Um, the idea that they're, they're scanning kids in with their fingerprints really disturbs me. Um, it's, I mean, you know, that means that the government, normally the government doesn't have your fingerprints unless you've convicted, been, you know, arrested for a crime. Now they're just getting everybody's fingerprints, I guess, through their little public school system. Sure enough. We're going to come back with more and your thoughts as well. 855-450-FREE. That's one 855 Do you still have your kids in government school? This is Free Talk Live. Do you want to take back control of your own money? Then take a look at Bitcoin. 
Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized anonymous internet currency, and it's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. To learn more, visit weusecoins.org. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at weusecoins.org. That's weusecoins.org. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free at 1-855-450-FREE. That number brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-855-450-3733. Joining you this evening, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. Speaking of SACL CAI, Mark, tell me more about it. SACL CAI is a company that handles uh, collections, early out billing, and they even purchase charged-off receivables. If you want to find out more about how SACL CAI can... Yeah, it can cha- change the whole paradigm around accounts receivable for your business. See their banner at freetalklive.com. It's top one on the right-hand side of the page. It's SACL CAI. And don't forget to visit uh, freetalklive.com so you can enjoy our webcam. We've got it there for you at cam.freetalklive.com. You can watch, you can listen, and you can interact because our chat room is built into the same page. So you can go and chat with other Free Talk Live listeners while enjoying the program and do it all for free over at cam.freetalklive.com. So we're going to continue here with the news that uh, may be pretty disturbing. I, I can tell you, I didn't think it was to this point. And it is. Meaning your children, if they're going to a government school, there's a chance that instead of roll call in the morning, they're signing in with a thumbprint scan or a fingerprint scan. I'm not sure if it's like the whole hand or if it's just a thumb or, or what it is, but some some digit is being scanned in order to uh, to count your child as present at these government schools. Disturbing. Now, specifically, we're talking about uh, Washington County, which I believe is in Florida based on the Doppler radar. It is a Washington County in uh, Florida. WJHG.com is the, the source here. And so they're talking about how it's been this way, where students have been checking in with finger-scanning devices, but it's going to be uh, expanding. School superintendent Sandra Cook said the old method just wasn't cutting it. She said, we got uh, we got to talking about attendance in our district and how it was inconsistent. The systems have been up and running for two months inside the schools, but since the majority of students ride the bus every day, district officials decided to move the devices there. The trans- uh, transition hasn't been easy. One of the biggest challenges they've faced is where to put the devices on the buses. State safety codes require aisles to be kept completely clear. So one of the ideas they've discussed put a laptop on one side of the steering wheel and the finger scan system on the other. The school district plans to test the equipment in a handful of buses within the next week or so. And this uh, was about a week ago. Uh, about a week ago, this was written in hopes to have each one operational by November or December at the latest. The bureaucrat said that when it's all said and done, we're going to find this is going to be one of the most monumental things that Washington County has ever done. The finger scan device costs the school district about $30 per student per year. Your tax dollars at work. That seems expensive, doesn't it? $30 per student per year? Yeah. Because our teachers can't count? Or check a name off a list? I mean, how, how have we gotten along without these finger scanners, really? Well, yeah, yeah. That, that is a good question. You know, what was it that, what was the discussion that led to this? Why was the old way so bad anyway? When, when they say it was inconsistent, does it mean that uh, the teacher was just forgetting to take attendance? 
I suppose what, it could happen. What, what does that mean? Incons- students are coming in consistently? It just seems about control to me. It's about getting people more used to this world where they're being identified. You know, these biometric scanners are going to be in likely in more places. So why not go ahead and implement them in the schools to get kids used to it? Oh, I did that when I was in school. So it's no problem to do it. You know, when the cop asks me to or wherever else they're going to end up putting things. Sure. Like this. It breaks them into it. So, again, $30 per student per year is uh, what they're doing. Now, parents can still opt for their children to sign in the traditional way. So they there's still the opt-out provision from this totalitarian Orwellian type of uh, idea. But how many parents are aware of that? That's a, a good question. Is it one of those things where you have to ask to find out that such an option like that is available? And what is th- can be very difficult to deal with. And, and what is what is the reaction to you when you want to opt out? Yeah, exactly. Uh, because you'll you'll essentially be inconveniencing someone at that point. You'll you'll be forcing them to have to use the old ways. And uh, that it's saying it's saying here they're signing in. So this is something I'm not used to. I, did you guys ever sign in at school? Only when I was late. And yeah. and I'm thinking back to inconsistencies. And in the I, I was wondering as you were reading this if there was a finger scan in every classroom that people were checking into every class. Because the only inconsistency that I can think of in attendance records is if you cut. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. You know, did they take attendance in every class? I don't think they did. I don't recall them doing that. They they did when I was in school. God, it's been so yeah, so, or where I so went long. to school. I I don't know. I guess practices differ. I would imagine they they probably do. Um, they must be. Just, maybe some teachers did it quietly. Maybe they just kind of eyeballed everybody and, and you know, looked around to see. if I they, think they did that in my school. Yeah, because they took attendance in every class. One eight five five four fifty free is the number here. Eight five five four five zero free. You know where else they take attendance is uh, jail and prison. They do head counts there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking uh, that's one of those things that you really get used to when you're in jail is them coming in and shouting head count or lockdown. Uh, you know, once every few hours, and it was just one of those. Uh, what is thing? I always thought about like it might be fun to like make a song out of it, like guard shouting, shouting head count and lockdown and uh, and med pass. <laughs> Because I, I heard those words more than anything else, except for the F-bomb. I probably heard the F-bomb more often. Convicts do know how to use the F-bomb. Yeah. <laughs> 1-855-450-FREE. That uh, is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So finger scanners in Washington County schools. Of course, just combine that with the, the wonderful uh, other police state things that are happening. Like, oh, at, at schools they've had the, you know, in some schools they've had the, the metal scans, uh, the x-rays going on, where you get wanded or perhaps walk through an x-ray machine uh, before you go into school they right. have these so, things so at this point your your kids are already uh they're ready for being metal detectors they're ready for finger scanning they're ready for you know head counting it's it it, it really seems like these uh institutions are truly set up not as much to educate people as to prepare them for life in a police state absolutely the tsa goes along with that as well if, the, if kids go on a flight they get touched forget that noise are they patting kids down at these uh, metal yeah. detectors? No, oh, with the metal detectors at school. At school, I wouldn't be Are able they to pat that. At school, yeah. I don't believe so. They'd have to pat them down if they set off the metal detector, right? They have to do something. You would think so. So I've I've never this again another something else I'd never experienced. I got out of high school in uh, the late 1990s, and it, it, at least in my school, they hadn't implemented things like that. So what are your experiences? Maybe you are a young person out there going to, unfortunately, one of these government high schools or, or middle schools. 
Are they, are they doing metal detection at elementary schools too? I mean, I really don't know what the extent of this stuff is. Please uh, enlighten us at 855-450-FREE. You've got uh, video cameras on school buses. You've got likely cameras in, in more classrooms, I, I, I would guess, uh, these days. You've got the metal detection. You've got now thumbprint or finger uh, scanners. I mean, it, you know, it used to be that each kid would have uh, like a code they would punch in at the lunch counter. And I feel like I, I might have seen somewhere in the past where that's gone to fingerprint scanning as well, which wouldn't surprise me either. One eight five five four fifty free is the number you can take control, and you should take control of your own children's uh, education and get them the hell out of these government schools. There's really no reason whatsoever to send your kids to the government schools. Don't don't give me the whole well they need to socialize thing. There are other ways for them to socialize that don't involve sending them to you know a government day prison. You know this the the. <laughs> the I guess the metal detectors and the thumb scanners and all those things are, to me, sort of the outward appearances of really the way the brainwashing goes on in government schools. To me, the problem is the the subject matter, the way they teach, um, you know, the, the the teaching down to sort of the the middle to low end of the class in order to make sure that everybody comes along, which just creates this spiral of everybody uh, of you know lowest the, common denominator. The stuff. mentality of every class every year being pushed down farther and farther to the point that people believe you need 13 years of school um, in order to be educated and the public school system is kicking out people that are up 20 percent is what their numbers are as i as i've read them 20 percent are functionally illiterate in some districts it's as high as 40 percent are functionally illiterate i mean i i can't imagine how this paradigm creates a situation where children hate learning so much. Well, even the ones that are supposedly literate, uh, the ones that do actually graduate these high schools, you know, they're coming out and they're going into colleges. And they're having to take remedial classes and it's just left and right. It's one good for eight, the colleges, right? That's true. One eight five five four fifty three is the number. You can take control of the airwaves. Your experience in the government school system. You're welcome to share that or bring up anything. Free Talk Live. All around the world, people are achieving success and making their dreams come true. You can be one of them. Whether it's wealth, happiness, business, or relationships, the only thing keeping you from achieving your goals is the desire to be successful and the know-how to achieve it. At AllSuccessClub.com, you'll find the information you need to succeed from those who've already achieved it. Set your life on the path to success now at AllSuccessClub.com. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live, and you may bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number is one 450 free That's 855-450-3733. Whether it be comments on the bus that is segregating men and women in New York City, or perhaps uh, you want to tell us about what your experience has been like in these government schools, where we discovered tonight that apparently they've got fingerprint scanners uh, that they've installed in some classrooms, and actually now in Washington County, Florida, they're moving them out of the classroom classroom and moving them onto school buses so you will have to scan yourself in in order to attend the government schools creepy yeah orwellian Mm -hmm. 
And are people concerned about this? Well, I don't know. Apparently not. It's been going on for a very long time. You know, this is an expansion of the program. It's been going on for a couple of years. I haven't even heard the heard of this. I don't know if it was a couple of years. I think it was a couple of months. But either way, it, I thought it, it was expanded been... from the school to the bus. And it, it, it has. Was I'm last... pretty sure it was after a couple months. But maybe I'm wrong okay. about that. Uh, but either way, like I said, I thought I'd heard a story about fingerprint scanners in cafeterias. That might have been where they first uh, put these things. And it is preparing people for a life in a police state. And how many parents are upset? How many of them are opting out? And better yet, how many – because there is an opt-out provision at the school. But how many of them are opting out all the way and getting their kids out of these government schools? Really, that's the only sane thing to do. Well, it's, 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 these are the sort of numbers that you're never going to get. Because the school's just there to, to take as many students as uh, you know want to come along, people are going to take their kids out for whatever reason, put them into private schools or you know homeschool them or whatever, and you're never going to find this information out. No, I I'm mean, just asking. The school system here in uh, New Hampshire isn't ever going to know that it didn't have my son as a um, as a you know a possible enrollee. It's just, it, it's never going to be part of the numbers. So, smart thing to do, get your kids out of government school. There's no reason to have them in there. None whatsoever. I'm curious to know about the um, security used for the data that they're storing. Oh, boy. Yeah, right. You know, the confidentiality of the records, because at least in New Hampshire, when you're a juvenile, everything that is, is part of your record is confidential until you're 18. Yeah, but as far as security is concerned, I mean, they might say that it's confidential, but how hard would it be to crack into those records? Right, or just slip somebody a flash drive and say, here you go, Mr. Law Enforcement, here's everything you ever needed. Well, I mean, whoa, of course this is going to be given to law enforcement. I thought you were talking about security from other people. (laughs) The government doesn't keep security amongst its own um, bureaucrats. Right. I mean, if if law enforcement wants this information, it will get it, I would would guess. There's no no security there at all. And I would presume that this is all going to be turned over to law enforcement. Maybe they won't do it until the the kids turn 18. But at that point, they're going to – it's all going to be in their hands. The more information you give up to the government, the more likely they are to use and abuse it. 1-855-450-FREE is the number here. Mark, you've got a story about a bike ride that apparently went wrong. Yeah, this is um, this was actually from, I believe it was the Detroit News, uh, Detroit local news. Um, father's bike ride could have him fighting to keep his children. In early September, Sean Harrington was pulling his twin boys in a trailer attached to his bicycle for a day of fun in downtown Detroit along the Riverwalk. He it apparently was, hadn't gotten the message that he should be leaving Detroit. But anyway, here's another reason to leave. He, he was returning home and riding down the sidewalk on Park Street when he pulled onto the street to avoid hitting baseball fans who were blocking his path. He admits he was going the wrong way down a one-way street, but he was about 50 free, feet from his home. It's a bicycle, and it was uh, four It was four car lengths long. I was on the wrong way on the one-way street, said Harrington. Police still stopped him and issued a ticket. I can't wrap my brain around the police department thinks that at any given time when the, 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 the most dangerous criminal in the city of Detroit is myself, says Harrington. Several days later, he received a letter in the mail oh, asking Oh, no, you're, him, not, you're not a dangerous criminal, dude. You're a po- possible money source. Several days later, he received a letter in the mail asking him to appear in court in November, facing the possibility of being charged with child endangerment. Oh, boy. Harrington and his wife have lived in Detroit for years. He owns three businesses downtown and said that he's disappointed that he's now being accused of being an unfit parent. Hmm. 
I don't know what's next, the next step for them, um, Harrington said, but maybe it's that uh, my children should be taken away from me because I do reckless things like take them for a bike ride. <laughs> On a one-way street. And uh, I'm not a traffic flow expert, but it seems to me that the reason why one-way streets are the way they are is, well, the idea is for some sort of control of traffic in a downtown area, uh, but it's not the same thing riding a bicycle as a car that doesn't take up as much width as you're walking as you you know riding yourself pedaling down the street well uh, uh, but the trailer on it adds more width and one can you know like one can argue the uh, the one way ticket as much as one wants to i mean either way is fine with me the idea of child endangerment I, to me mr harrington rolled the dice and lost the game of i'm going to take the short way home Okay, mm-hmm. and and I, you know, whatever, fifty bucks, take it to court, fight it, do whatever you want to do, play around with the bureaucrats, um, you know, fine and dandy, but the idea that they're threatening him and his family with child endangerment over this to me is the real issue. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I mean, some Nimrod in here in the comments said something to the effect of, "Well, how about we just obey the law and not ride the wrong way on the one way street?" Well, that's. As if it's a ticket. He said, pay the ticket and shut up, you moron, mm-hmm. um, or something like that. It's not the ticket. The ticket isn't the issue here. The issue here is, and this is clearly somebody who doesn't have children, um, that the issue is my family's being uh, threatened here. My, you know, the most valuable things well, I have in the world. How do you know the they world, don't have children? The Nimrod who said that? Yeah, somebody Because can... they have no empathy. Well, that doesn't mean that they don't have children. There's all kinds of bad parents out there. I, I can't imagine Lots that a of, person uh, that has children parents. thinks that it's okay for kids to be taken away for a 50-foot oh, yeah. ride on a bicycle There are a those trailer. people. I mean, there absolutely are those people. I mean, their position is essentially, you're a lawbreaker. You're, you break any laws, and therefore you're an unfit parent, because only but good... But that moron knows they break laws. They know they've gone one mile an hour over the speed limit, so yes, their kids they should have been taken away. Yes, but they Sure they have. Well, let's presume they haven't. This is a traffic violation. The, the law abiding, so-called law abiding people love to tout how they don't, you know, the, well, you know, I may have sped a little bit, but I didn't get caught. So I'm, it's not a problem. It's only a problem when you get caught. I think it's a matter of spirit versus letter of the law. I, I'd be curious to know how busy this street was, how many how many lanes it was. Because, you know, honestly speaking, there's a dog leg on Main Street here in Keene, and there's a crosswalk that happens to go across it right in front of the corner news. And there was one time I was coming down Main Street where this, the speed limit is 25, and I believe I was doing 20 miles an hour. Parents came out on bicycles in the crosswalk and their little daughter was behind them. And if I had been going faster or not paying attention, it's quite possible she could have gotten seriously hurt. So my question is, if they were stopped and and those kids were seriously in danger, why CPS wasn't called on the spot? Just as as a rhetorical question. But how busy is the street? Well, they said that it was full of uh, fans, uh, apparently, and that's why he w- was in the street instead of on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how many cars were in the street. Is and- it still a one-way street if you're on the sidewalk with, uh, a, with a bicycle? You're probably violating the rule of being on the, the sidewalk. On the sidewalk on a bicycle. with a bicycle. Yeah. And one has to ask. I mean, if one's children can be threatened, uh, you know, the, the possession of one's children can be threatened for riding a bicycle wrong on the wrong direction – on a one-way street for 50 feet that close to your house, then one's possession of one's children can be threatened for anything at any time of that course. one does is illegal in a country where it's impossible not to break the law. 
That's true. Yes, you're absolutely you're right. right about that. And that's what's sick and weird about this. The idea that anyone who would, uh, you know, b- break anyone would advocate that this man be punished for this. And by the punishment, I'm not talking about the ticket. I don't care about the ticket. You Taking know, the ticket, the kids, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, this guy played, uh, you know, he played traffic roulette and he lost. And I'm sorry. Um, well, the do-gooder sees this as uh, the one who wants to control others sees this as, you know, the necessary thing. We've got to get these kids away from a dad who could be so brazen in his disdain for the rules of society that he would dare whom, go the wrong way down a one-way street. To whom are they going to give these kids? Foster parents. Who break the law every day just yeah, like but, the person who advocates taking yeah, away the kids. You're using Because logic. these people are insane. Anybody who would advocate this, if you are listening to my voice and you're saying to yourself that this is a good idea, please call in. Oh, I'd love because to Because I say person. you are bat-ass crazy. You are an old cranky effer and you des- do not deserve the kids that you had. One eight five five four fifty free is go the number. Go back. Go go off to some banana republic. One eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You can uh, comment on this or any issue that you would like. That's why we call this show Free Talk Live. One eight five five four fifty free. I've never been harassed for going the wrong way down a one way street. But then again, like you said, I didn't have the little trailer thing on my bike, so I could see how that could be a factor there. Um, and, in, of course, the idea of just taking someone's kids away for a traffic violation. <laughs> That's the country we live in, or at least Detroit. one 450 free Of course, it's probably like that in more, than, more places than we realize. Free Talk Live. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind at 1-855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And we invite you to our website over at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy the various features you'll find there for free and uh, do it all over at freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. Uh, so, of course, you can take control at 855-450-FREE. Otherwise, we've got stuff to share with you, like uh, the latest in Homeland Security. You know, we talked about last hour, or so-called Homeland Security, last hour, the uh, school system in Washington County, Florida, they've installed fingerprint scanners in classrooms and will now be moving those scanners onto school buses to have kids scan in rather than sign in uh, as far as taking uh, roll, for instance. And so you're seeing these police state, uh, I guess, icons or not icons, but uh, these, uh, this evidence of the police state kind of arising around you. And uh, here's a little bit more of it for you from CNET.com's Declan McCullough, who is a really liberty oriented dude. I remember we met him once at the, the Liberty Forum that happened a few years ago. In fact, the Liberty Forum's happening again. We'll tell you more about that here in a little bit. An internal U.S. Department of Homeland Security document indicates that a controversial program designed to predict whether a person will commit a crime is already being tested on some members of the public 
voluntarily, CNET has learned. Now, if this sounds a bit like the Tom Cruise movie Minority Report or the CBS drama Person of Interest, it is. But where Minority Report author Philip K. Dick enlisted physics to predict crimes, excuse me, psychics, rather, big difference, uh, DHS is betting on algorithms. It's building a prototype screening facility that it hopes will use factors such as ethnicity, gender, breathing, and heart rate to, quote, detect cues indicative of malintent. So they're going to screw with, um, what, uh, Black Middle Eastern male, guys? Uh, or, yeah, Middle Eastern, Hispanic males uh, <laughs> that might be sweating. I, I don't know what all the, the details are here, but the, it's ludicrous. Yeah. The, the latest developments which reveal efforts to collect, process, or retain information on members of the public came to light through an internal DHS document obtained under the open government laws by the Electronic Privacy Information Center. DHS calls it... Uh, calls it the pre-crime system, future attribute screening technology, or FAST. If it were deployed against the public, it would be very problematic, says Ginger McCall, a government counsel at Epic, a nonprofit group in Washington, D.C. It's unclear why the June 2010 document specified that information is currently collected or retained on members of the public as part of FAST, and a department representative declined to answer questions that CNET posed two days ago. Elsewhere in the document, the program manager for FAST, Robert Middleton, refers to a limited initial trial using DHS employees as test subjects. He says that FAST sensors will non-intrusively collect video images, audio recordings, and psychophysiological measurements from the employees. Sounds non-intrusive. Psychophysiological sounds totally non-intrusive. Uh, with a sub- subgroup of employees singled out with their permission for more rigorous evaluation. Peter Brogard, the deputy press secretary for the DHS, said that FAST is designed to track and monitor, among other inputs, body movements, voice pitch changes, prosody changes, which are the alterations in the rhythm and intonation of speech, eye movements, body heat changes, and breathing patterns. Occupation and age are also considered. A government source told CNET that blink rate and pupil variation are also measured. Field test of FAST has been conducted in at least one undisclosed location of the Northeast. Spokes bureaucrats said it's not an airport, but it is a large venue that is suitable substitute for an operational setting. Could be the local mall. I'm not sure what that means. Although Department of Homeland Security has publicly suggested... So they say that this is voluntarily, but is it voluntary for each of the people that are walking through it, or just voluntary for the venue that they've picked? Yeah, that's a good question, Mark. It certainly doesn't sound like everyone where they're testing these things is aware they're being tested. I mean, how can they figure out somebody with malintent if they're only taking people that opt in? Good point. Although the Department of Homeland Security has publicly suggested that FAST could be used at airport checkpoints, the TSA is part of the department after all. The government appears to have grander ambitions. One internal document from the DHS, also obtained by Epic, says that a mobile version of FAST could be used at security checkpoints, such as border crossings, or at large public events, like sporting events, or even conventions. It also says that the next field trial of FAST will involve members of the public who have food service experience and are paid to work at a one-day VIP event. Most of the document is redacted, but each person is apparently told to act normally or to do something demonstrating malintent, such as being told to smuggle a recording device into the VIP event. The trick then is to see if FAST can detect which person is which. 
It's not clear whether these people were informed. The the problem is, though, if I'm told to do it, I'm not going to be as concerned about the results. I mean, one of the... One of the things about committing crime is there's sort of this uh, this high, this uh, adrenaline rush for doing it. You might and get, get caught. Getting away with yeah. it. Um, but a person trying to smuggle a camera into a, um, a, a venue either, A, may not consider it a problem, so that's not going to work. Or B, if you're telling them to do it, they're not concerned with the outcome, so that's not going to work either. So it's not clear whether these people were informed or whether they whether they were informed that they were participating in this study. Uh, the Epic but Attorney. Why would you do it? I mean, I wouldn't smuggle a camera in for you if I'm not participating in a study. Yeah, it's very strange. You know, this, you're going to give me two hundred bucks to do it? Oh. I think there's I think there are multiple things happening here. There uh, maybe it's not been made clear, but it sounds like they've had different tests. So okay. there there have been tests that have involved the Department of Homeland Security employees, where some were you know the culprits and some weren't. And then there were tests where it's unclear as to whether or not the people knew that they were being uh, being monitored. Gotcha. So it sounds like there are two, at least two different types of tests. The attorney who did uh, press the department to obtain these documents said it's time for the privacy office to review the current state I'm of the sure project. I'm not sure being monitored man- matters, though. What I'm saying is is that if if the monitoring is supposed to pick up the malintent i don't have the same intent if i am told to smuggle right. a camera in no, as I get if what i you're decide saying. i'm going to do it on my own they should do a privacy impact statement he said uh, because it appears the most recent analysis was completed in december of 2008 and contemplates using volunteer participants who have given their informed consent DHS is being unusually secretive about FAST. In February of 2010, a contract with a Massachusetts-based laboratory to build elements of the pre-crime system has every dollar figure blacked out. So, as I mentioned before in these reports... <laughs> this thing is remarkably wasteful, then. <laughs> yeah, these, uh, these Freedom of Information Acts, as I mentioned here, are mostly redacted. So the the information we have is very, very slim, and it already is disturbing. What other things are we missing? What other information has not been revealed that uh, would make this all the more outrageous? And at what point does voluntarily, quote-unquote, become leaving your house, quote-unquote? Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the same thing with the, the kids at the school. Yeah, they're allowing parents to opt out now, but how long before they just decide, well, this program works so great, we've just decided to eliminate the old program, and you don't get to opt out anymore. And what are you going to do about it? Not pay property taxes? Because that's the only way that you could somehow hold them accountable. Sure, and I mean, the property taxes have gotten so expensive in many areas that you, I mean, you're paying $5,000 a year to send your kid to school uh, um, you know, in property taxes. Why in the world would you want to pay another $10,000 to uh, send your kid to a private school at that point? I mean, it's very difficult to do. The attorney in this case, uh, McCall, this is one of the good guys, says... Relying on ambiguous biological factors to predict malintent is worrisome, especially if they're going to be rolling this out at the airport. I don't know about you, but going to an airport gives me a minor panic attack, wondering if I'm going to get groped by a TSA officer. So it's a great point. And they had talked about doing this. TSA had talked about these behavior observational officers or whatever they called them, uh, that they were going to have human beings looking for uh, mic- what they call micro-expressions. So like if, <laughs> if in a flash, you know, your, your, your lip curls up or something happens, right, with your face, you have a little tick 
uh, some sort of facial tick uh, that uh, they're going to. I'm just thinking about the people that do the TSA stuff. um, You know, taking off the gloves and then standing there watching people and deciding, trying to decide who's the bad guy and who's the good guy. You know, I'm particularly squinty in the morning before I've had my coffee. Is is squinty going to get me in trouble with the with the pre-crime force? These are good questions. I am pissed when I go into an airport. I mean, this guy's concerned that he's going to get groped. I'm pissed knowing that they could grope me if they felt like it. 855-450-FREE. More coming up. My name is Jacob Hornberger. I'm president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which Congressman Ron Paul awarded for having an outstanding freedom website. Write us at FFF at FFF.org, and we'll send you a free three-month subscription to our monthly journal of libertarian essays and our booklet, Economic Liberty in the Constitution, which George Mason University economics professor Walter Williams praised in a recent column. That's FFF at FFF.org. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you want at 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. Tonight in the studio, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. And we invite you to the website at freetalklive.com. We've got a mobile site for those of you with a smartphone. You can go to m.freetalklive.com for quick access to our live streams and the podcast. Once again, that's m, as in mobile, dot freetalklive.com. And the Ron Paul, we're going to give you an update on his fundraising today, the uh, the blackthisout.com. So hold that off, uh, Mark. We'll do that here in just a quick moment. Uh, but first, to finish up this uh, piece about pre-crime from Homeland Security, Department of Homeland Security is instituting a new program where they'll be using very, very uh, expensive tools. Yeah, that much is true. I don't know if they'll be effective tools, but they will certainly be expensive, uh, where they will be essentially taking as, as many observational uh, snapshots of you as possible. Video, audio, uh, they, you know, they're going to try to take your temperature... <laughs> And they're supposedly going to do it like with like kind of like predator like heat screen device. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they're going to be using all manner of technology to determine your mal intent, whether or not you have the intent to commit harm or to commit some sort of a criminal act. Uh, and this is a story from CNET.com's Declan McCullough, uh, the chief political correspondent there at uh, CNET. And they've been kind of going through this uh, this piece where basically, you know, one expert here is is saying, look, this is a really bad idea. Using ambiguous biological factors to, pre- uh, to predict malintent is worrisome. And we know that they're going to be ro- rolling this out. They're, they're not admitting to wanting to do it in the airports, but come on. I mean. Where, do, where? Come on, where are they going to put right. these? It's the most obvious place for them, although he does suggest border checkpoints, which of course would also be another place that they would be likely to put these things. Uh, just the, the more places they can put them to run you through the gauntlet, so to speak, uh, the more control they will effectively have over the population. Because right. well, if it looks like you're nervous, then that's going to be reason for them to, to come. Well, our machine says that you're a you know, potential criminal, so now you've got to come through here and we're just going to waylay you for four hours while we interview you in this room and we subject you to to all manner of tests. Right, and this p- puts you in a position where you are guilty. Rather than being innocent and they need to prove your guilt, yeah. you have set off the machine, prove to us why you are not bad. I mean, that's how that that's how life is going to be with these machines. Well, maybe not, because we have the lie detector technology that isn't admissible in court, and with mm-hmm. any luck, we'll go 
we'll go the same way with this. Yeah, but how long did it take before the lie detector became inadmissible? That's that's a good question. Actually, I, I don't know. I, I don't know on that. But the other question I'd have, you mentioned border security, is what's it going to be like for people who, um, you know, who aren't citizens of the country and who are trying to get in and happen to have a higher body temperature than the average person or, you know, have a facial tick or whatever it is mm-hmm. that sets this little gizmo off? Um, I mean, they're not even going to ask any questions. No, you can't come in here. Sorry, you know, you can't come with your family on holiday. No, you can't uh, come in here to go to work today. Whatever. No, no. And so they don't have to. They're not going to give you a trial um, as a, you know, a person who's a non-citizen um, trying to come in. You're just the answer is just going to be no. One eight five five four fifty free. You can, of course, take control of the airwaves. Here's a little bit more an update on the story. Over at CNET, Homeland Security Spokes Bureaucrat has provided this information, quote, The FAST program is entirely voluntary and does not store any personally identifiable information from participants, which they call PII, as in personal, personally identifiable information, PII, from participants once the experiment is completed. The system is not designed to capture or store PII. Any information that is gathered and stored under apparently it is if they have to delete it after the uh, the thing is done. I mean, apparently it is designed to store the information. Any information that is gathered is stored under an anonymous identifier and is only available to DHS as aggregated performance data. It's only used for laboratory protocol as we are doing research and development. It's gathered when people sign up as volunteers, not by the FAST system. If it were ever to be deployed, there would be no PII captured from people going through the system. Of course not. I mean, who would have thought the government would have ever captured any of your information and kept it on file? Because the government loves to capture information. That's what they do. Governments everywhere, all the time, capture information on their citizens and whomever. You don't don't believe this guy? You know, maybe for this purpose of this particular... Right, that's what he's saying, essentially, is, well, in this program... We're not doing once this. we roll this out, though, baby, we're taking pictures of everything and everybody. We're going to have your body temperature every day walking down the street. We're going to know. Well, he does say his claim is if it were if it were ever to be deployed, which, of course, is their intention, there would be no PII captured from people going through the system. So, hey, why, why would they deploy it if they're not going to capture any of the uh, personally identifiable information? <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, even if – okay, so we know he's lying, right? Uh, even if he believes he's telling the truth, he's not in charge. He's just a spokesperson. So he's just saying Can this. you imagine this? I mean, where is the government spokesperson that has thrown down their hat and said, you, sirs, have turned me into a liar. I I will yeah. <laughs> not go out and stand in front of those microphones anymore and tell lies well, for you people. Well, see, that's my, just You a, besmirched my good name. No one good is even. heaven, sir. No one is even going to remember. I mean, this, guy's an, is, this guy isn't even uh, cited in this article. It's just <laughs> a Homeland Security <laughs> spokesman. So he's not even identified. So years down the road, when when this stuff is finally implemented, no one's going to remember who said that. Three spokesmen later, and right. it won't and it won't be like even if even if this guy was identified, Joe Smith said that this will never be uh, implemented. Or this th- is th- what it never... means when you work for the government. You never have to say you're sorry. Well, right, you're never responsible. Uh, not only do you not have to say you're sorry, but you're not even responsible in the first place. Well, I mean, at the time, he could just simply say, "Well, at the time." It wasn't our intention. That's what they told me. Right. That's so what they. I'm sure that's spokesman. what they told this guy. Right. So he's just the spokesman. So whoever it was that was in charge of making that decision, that person may not even be employed with the department anymore. So what are you going to do? 
there's no liability on their Nothing. part for telling a lie. That's so, what, yeah, that's what you, the government does. Right. You're just going to hopefully learn your lesson this time and say, okay, I'm not going to believe whatever I hear from them. They're the government. They're likely lying. So there you have it. The system being tested, likely going to be rolled out at various different checkpoints, airports, border patrol. That means likely the internal checkpoints in this country as well that aren't on the border, the ones that are within 100 miles of the border. You likely start to see these in more locations. Just like we've heard stories from people, uh, I mean, these are unconfirmed, but uh, we've heard stories from people saying that uh, they've seen the scanner machines being taken to checkpoints. Not, not just at airports, but like at a Greyhound bus station, for yeah. instance. So one eight five five four fifty free for your thoughts. I you know I mean it's the the gullibility of um, you know folks it just it stuns me how they can you know continue the journalists especially um, how they can continue to accept this crap day after day year after year from the government knowing that it doesn't turn out I mean I just don't understand they don't report on how government programs grow how their uh, missions change how they um, you know were lied to in the beginning you know, where's the peace now that NASA is basically wrapping up its mission? Where's the peace, the retrospective from other um, NASA, you know, from from when NASA was ro- rolled out about all about the all things its failures? That prom- yeah, all, all the things that they promised and delivered none. You know, the U.S. dollar is devaluing and you can see it happening every day. And a new currency is going to take over at some point. You probably want to get on the ground floor of that. Bitcoins are a decentralized anonymous Internet currency and they are free to use, free to accept and free from inflation forever. Use them anywhere in the world for no uh, fees. I mean, it's a great little device. Uh, They're basically cash for the Internet. Go to weusecoins.org to learn more. Your dollars are going down. Weusecoins.org. More coming up. The latest on Ron Paul. What's happening with his campaign? And your thoughts about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number is brought to you by SACL CAI, and it is 1-855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Tonight, here with you, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. And we invite you to our website, freetalklive.com. We've got the Shrine of Female listeners there with dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing their listeners of the program. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see that and get involved. The time to stand up for freedom is now. The media won't help us. The establishment won't help us. They wish to black us out. Let's make the, let's let them black this out. On October the 19th, that's today, tens of thousands of Americans, I am one of them. Ian? Yep. Nemi? Me too. There you go. We are, we are among the tens of thousands of Americans that uh, have donated to the Ron Paul's presidential campaign. Visit blackthisout.com. Join them in the fight for liberty and freedom. Or join us in the, uh, the fight for liberty and freedom. I'm not fighting, however. Yeah, not, I don't I, care much for that copy. That, that, that particular term um, isn't, isn't for me, but I um, am certainly willing to give some uh, 
some money to the Ron Paul campaign. He's doing a great job. Yeah, of- I consider it an outreach uh, campaign. It's, it's, to me, it's not a fight at all. Uh, the first time I read that uh, the first time, and then I started uh, kind of doing that uh, commercial in other ways because I think the the fighting meme is. Mm, it appeals right one for to me. a lot of people, though. Um, I mean, there's a there's there's a lot of people that are into we we must fight, we must push back, get the troops on the ground, revolution, and, and it it works. I mean, yeah, right. There's the revolution. I like it's the term, a battle for liberty. I like the term revolution, and a revolutionary isn't going to fight. You're not right? fighting. Yeah, it's exactly right. And uh, so you know. That's uh, for me. That's not the right term. However, I don't think Ron Paul's fighting. He doesn't go up there on the stage and spew hatred or any of the things like that. And I'm not saying that fighting means hatred necessarily, but um, and you know, I mean, it's just it's just a term that gets people, some people excited. And I actually you know. wrote quite a bit about that. Uh, it was one of my blogs from jail. I, I wrote a lot about how you know I heard from folks while I was in jail that keep up the struggle. You know, keep keep fighting, keep fight the good. I fight. don't have a problem with a struggle. I don't have a problem with that terminology because this. Why is it's pretty much the same thing? I don't think it is. Fight and struggle. Same struggle synonyms. Uh, I don't think so. I think a struggle is not necessarily a fight is uh, sort of against other people. A struggle isn't necessarily against other people. A struggle is um, you can be struggling for all kinds of different things. Mm. You should probably go look that one up. One eight five five four fifty three is the number here. But all that said, uh, the Ron Paul campaign is something worth supporting, in my opinion, because well, Ron Paul is the most singly most successful individual at introducing people to the ideas of liberty. And so, to give his campaign a little bit of cash, today's the day to do it. Blackthisout.com. One point seven some million dollars is what they've collected thus far. Yep. Uh, now, I don't know if they're going to be hitting the record, which was $4.3 million. According to Wikipedia, the $4.3 million that he raised on, uh, I think it was November 5th, 2007, was the very first ever money bomb. It was the highest total of dollars raised in one day for any presidential candidate ever. So that alone was a huge record. I'd like to see that broken. It would be great to break that. 4.3 is a long way away from 1.7. I don't know if I'm that optimistic. I think that people are going to get on their internet, uh, their their interwebs. It could rally there toward the very end. Between 7 and 10 p.m. um, and probably do do their thing. And remember, we're not just talking about the Eastern time zone. Presumably they're going to take this all the way, what, to Hawaii time or something like that? I would think so. It's not specified anywhere when the actual time of this particular day ends. Obviously, for those of us here in Eastern time, it's going to end in just a few hours at midnight uh, but that's still after this, the hawaiian times another five or six hours after that if i were running this campaign it'd be a long day i can assure you yeah. it'd be more than 24 hours in this particular day so we'll keep an eye on things let you know uh, as that pans out now nemi you had uh, i guess seen this recent uh, debate i of course you can't imagine how anyone could sit down and watch these politicians spew their filth. Well, we can't uh, actually watch the debate generally because we're on the air. Right. So you, we'd have to record it. I do um, at times TiVo uh, it or whatever term one uses. I don't actually have a TiVo machine. I have something else. But, um, you know, so, I don't always get to watch. Now, some people did see it. In fact, Michelle Seven was just raving about uh, Ron Paul's performance in the debate last night. He did do really well. And she had complained about the last one because she felt like he only got to answer a few questions in the one that was prior to this one. So she felt like it was a huge improvement. Uh, but you were a little disappointed? I'm, I'm not sure I agree. I, I still think that he was he got the short end of the stick and, and the media is definitely um, biased against him, in my opinion. 
Um, prime example is right at the end. He wasn't able to answer the question of why or how you would be able to beat Barack Obama. And I think that's a travesty. Right. You know, Rick Santorum had the opportunity right. to talk about how he was going to beat Barack Obama. Newt Gingrich had the top opportunity to talk about how he was going to beat Barack Obama. Was it a claim and, they just ran out of time, didn't have time for Ron yeah. Paul? Yeah, Michelle Bachman interjected herself into it in the last 30 seconds or so. But oh, I'd say that's savvy. Oh, nice. On her part, you mean? Yes. And and I do I do share um, some complaints that I've heard that, that Ron is, is a little... Um, too polite in the debates I, I hate to say too polite but he's not one to really interject or not assertive enough right not assertive enough doesn't really um interject himself into the inject himself into the conversation or fight for for mic time so another thing that really frustrates me about the mainstream media is um in the dartmouth debate it was what was going on with his eyebrows um, in this debate, it was his suit jacket was two sizes too big. Th- these are what the commentators are saying. Yeah, and, and it's really <laughs> you. You, this is well, what the, he's been reduced well, to. Well, no, and, that, that figures because they can't say anything about his ideas. You can't assail the ideas of liberty with anything that's you know, sensible. So attack the man. That makes sense. Attack his, uh, you know, the the way he looks. Attack the, his tone of voice. Attack all kinds of things, but don't you can't attack the message. What are you going to say to that? I think the most brilliant quote, in my opinion, of the evening was when he said, "I have a plan to balance the budget and cut a trillion dollars in spending in the first year." And I and he said, "I want someone else up here to cut something that's real," and right. no one else did. Right. He he looks down the line. It mm-hmm. was really great. And he's, he's his hands are oh, wide yeah, open, yeah. but not pointing at anybody. He's he's gesticulating, and the whole line of them are looking like Dah, we're not going to cut anything we're washington insiders yeah. i mean take a look at us even even the black guy that says that he's from the outside has worked for the federal reserve yeah, i mean bad. what in the world is he's going to cut he's not talking about cutting anything he's talking about raising taxes on 80 percent of americans he doesn't want to cut crap he wants to have more power and more money aggregated to himself that's what all these power mongers want one of you step forward and tell me how you want to minimize your job, how you want to make the presidency less powerful, how you want to have less money aggregated to the government. Go ahead and do it. And no one did. And no one did. And and the words dangerous and scary were used. And I think those are absolutely accurate. But you'll only see those sound clips if you go looking for them from Ron Paul. If you go look at CNN's website, if you look at Washington Post, even Time, I'm I'm really disappointed in the mainstream coverage because, especially with that last question, is no one noticed, apparently, in the mainstream media that he did not have the chance to answer that question. And I want to know the answer. I already know the answer, but I want to hear him say it. Barack Obama? Right, absolutely. It seems obvious to me. By being the only anti-war candidate? How about that? Right. I mean, you know, essentially you get several different flavors of conservative. You get one sort of moderate to liberal, um, you know, Republican. And then you get Ron Paul, who has the consistent message of liberty. And he can actually offer something to the voter who's out there who's kind of on the fence. I mean, you've got to understand the American public has had... Had had six years in the last in the last ten years had six years of all Republican rule and 
two years of all Democrat rule, they know what these rubes, these thieves, these uh, these liars are all about. They understand. They're sick of that. Give them something new, and then, yeah, they will vote for him. Ron Paul is the easy win if he can get past the the um, the primary. In the general, he's the easy win. one 855 You are certainly welcome to share your observations from the Ron Paul's performance in the debate or bring up whatever's on your mind at 855-453. You can take control of the airwaves. Plus, Nemi recently got carded at a grocery store. Was it a grocery store? Like yes, a CVS? it was a CVS. All right, so we'll come back. We'll explain what it was all about because I guess she wasn't expecting it. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Porcupine Realtor. Do you want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin, any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers too? Mark Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealtor.com This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number for you is one 450 free That's 855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy Free Talk Live, you can support the show. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money and reinvest it into the show. Get on more radio stations around the country and bring more internet listeners on board as well. Exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. And, of course, you get perks like access to the amp-only forum, the amp-only uh, podcast, the amp-only uh, call-in lines. Uh, so go on over to amp.freetalklive.com. Dot com And if you've ever been the victim of an injustice and decided to do nothing about it because attorneys are too expensive, you need to know about Jurisdictionary.com for next time. Because hopefully there won't be a next time, but if there is, you need to know about Jurisdictionary.com. Uh, it's the course for people who don't have attorneys. It arms you with the information on how to use the court's rules. And until you know those rules, you're fighting in the dark. It works for plaintiffs or defendants in civil or criminal matters in state or federal court, and it costs less than an hour with any good attorney, and the four-CD course is so easy that the average eighth grader can learn it in a weekend. Go to their website at Jurisdictionary.com, download their free tools, including the free legal flowchart, weekly tips and tactics newsletters, the free legal dictionary, videos, and more. Go to Jurisdictionary.com, and when you're ready to buy, use their pull-down menu and choose Free Talk Live so they know you heard about it here. Jurisdictionary.com. Let's talk to John in Minnesota. John, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Nemi and Mark. Uh, yes, sir. Hey, John, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I just want to know how to donate to Ron Paul. Go to ronpaul2012.com. Okay, is that R-O-N-P-A-U-L? Yep. 2012.com. ronpaul2012.com. 2012.com. And if you do it tonight, uh, because today is uh, October 19th, it's the Black This Out Day, uh, then your your donation will count towards the money bomb that they're doing today to show the media that Ron Paul means business. And uh, he should be given some uh, much more attention than he has been given. Okay, so that's ronpaul2012.com. You got it, John. So what else did you want to share tonight? Well, uh, about these government schools, I've been saying that for 15 years. Uh, you know, they're just, 
run by the government. When I went to school, I got out in 58, uh, it was public school where the public would uh, check out the teachers when they came to the area to see if they wanted that teacher. Now the You're saying it was have... different in, the, in 1958? I mean, it sounds like it was still a government school. Well, it was it was less than it is now. Right. Well, obviously things have changed quite a bit in 50 years. Um, the, the federal government got involved in the 1950s, and then things really started to go downhill. Yeah, we, we had religious ed in school and uh, stuff like that. We could go uh, uh, once a week. We took an hour. We'd go to some kind of a class, you know, whatever denomination somebody was. And, uh, so you were looking into different religions in this particular class? No, no. It was just uh, you, you could study if you were a Lutheran or, or a Mennonite or a Presbyterian or whatever you were, you'd go to that class. Really? They had different classes for different denominations in the oh, school? Yeah, the, the local preacher would uh, would come out for that for that uh, different. So the rabbi would come from the synagogue and teach in one classroom? Yeah, if they had, if they had somebody from a synagogue. Uh, interesting. They would do it off the school ground, you know, like uh, they'd go to like the library or uh, the city hall or fire hall or just somewhere like that. They, they would use their facility. Well, one thing's for sure, uh, whether it was 1958 or today, having the government run schools is the worst way you could possibly go about it. I think it's deteriorated. And it has oh, deteriorated yeah. to, to some extent. Uh, of, course it, it, of course it has. Go ahead, sir. In 1840... Is when they they decided to have uh, you know they call them public schools or whatever called the state what started taking it, but the, there's a whole history about that. In '76, when my son was uh, old enough to go to school, uh, we wanted to teach him at home, and there was no only one school uh, for curriculum. It was called the uh, uh, what? Checks, I forget the name of the school. Uh, they Calvert. had one homeschool program, though only one. Yeah, I think it was Calvert School of, you know, where for missionaries. Cer- so. Certainly, things have uh, have improved in the homeschooling movement since then. Thanks, John, for the call tonight. Appreciate <laughs> hearing from you. One eight five five four fifty free. Some was some was screwy with his connection too. I'm not sure what it was. Didn't but, seem like it. Uh, so eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Yeah, so when you know the history of the government schools is an interesting one, especially because it really had a lot to do with religions competing with one another, specifically Protestants and Catholics. Uh, and, and in I this was, country, yeah, yeah, in this country, and I, I always get it mixed up. Was it the Catholics that started the government school, no. or was it the Protestants? Protestants. It was the Protestants that did Protestants it, because Catholics? One of their missions that they would do is setting up schools and educating youngsters. And when they educated the youngsters, they teach them to be Catholic. Catholicism, sure, and um, the. You'd you'd be really, really, really surprised at looking through the history of this country about the contention between Catholics and Protestants. And uh, apparently it was a really big deal in Europe, you know, three or four or five hundred years ago is, oh, those Catholic people, they're terrible. And they didn't, you know, they didn't want them taking a foothold here, even though Maryland was set up as a, uh, it was a a Catholic colony, um, interestingly. I mean, a feudal, it was a feudal uh, land grant, in fact. And so... You know, it's it, it just the idea that they were there. They were spreading. Watch out for them. They're bad. So they implemented the government school system to force everyone to send their kids to the government schools rather than or what were the essentially at the time Protestant government schools rather than send them to the Catholic schools. Yeah. 
that's where it came from, at least around here. And, of course, they took the Prussian school system uh, with this very uh, regimented authoritarian uh, system of, you know, you've got to raise your hand before you can say something. And if the lights get turned off, then, you know, you've got to be quiet. All these rules, this uh, very rigid structure came from uh, way back, came from the, the Prussian school system. And it's still that way today. I totally forgot about shutting the lights off when we were supposed to be quiet. Yeah. That's Thanks, how it's done. One eight five seven. I'm so glad I could bring that back yeah, for thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One eight five five four fifty free is the number here. And if you want to learn more about the government schools and what they're really all about, uh, John Taylor Gatto has got to be one of the best resources out there. And he wrote wrote the book on it. He was the New York State School Teacher of the Year in the past, and then kind of changed sides and came out of the closet against the government school system, and has been speaking out against it ever since. He's now in his eighties. He's probably not the best public speaker these days, but his uh, his information is unassailable. It's very interesting. Uh, so you can go to JohnTaylorGatto.com, and I believe he's published at least one of his epic books online for free and maybe more than one of them uh, for free. But you can go and you can absorb this information uh, and not have to pay a dime for it. It's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think Americans would be really disturbed if they saw what the sort of founders of this uh, this school system have to say. Oh, there's some creepy stuff about um, the creation of um, you know public school. I mean, what what they were trying to do is they're trying to create a class of people that is um, you know compliant. The drone, the worker drone. It's exactly what they want. Yeah, and and if you think that we're uh, exaggerating this, you really all you need to do is yeah, is all you need to do is educate yourself on this subject. We're not making up any of these things. Um, this really, is what they believe. Now, and it doesn't mean, just to be clear, it doesn't mean that your favorite teacher at your local school understands this. They probably have no idea. They're just part of the system. They're, they're cog in this machine. They don't realize what its original intentions were. Maybe the superintendents don't even know. I mean, who knows how many people within the government schools system are aware of what its true purposes are? Sure. I, I mean, I, you know, I'm in radio. I can't tell you what Marconi's first name is. I mean, that doesn't... What, what, Guglielmo, I think? I don't know. Anyway. Some, something funny. Um, so... You know I, what? What is there to know about the history? Why would Why would you know that? If right, you were, or you don't know how a transmitter works? I know certainly don't how know to that. Put a commercial on the air. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I went to what a, a W is it WEMG up in. Uh, Oh God, Mark! You had to bring that up. I, well, WEGP, <laughs> WEGP, yeah, uh, yeah. Presque Isle, Maine, and I was talking to Pat there, and he was showing me all the blinking gizmos, and he was showing me in a manner that I was to be impressed with uh, because I knew what they were doing and what kind he had, and he had a lot of really amazing blinking gizmos. But I don't know what you're showing me, Pat. <laughs> you know, and he, at some point you he realized he, pretty much, okay, he, pretty, he pretty much realized he was dealing with a rube and uh, <laughs> began to uh, talk down a little bit, and so that I could. He understand. does sales though. From what I understand, so you could have talked oh, yeah. to him about that. Yeah. Oh, we we talked about sales a great okay, deal, good. and um, you, know, you know, I talked about having run the sales department in a right. small AM, and uh, we had uh, things to commensurate on. Good, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that uh, was a highlight of your your, your vacation. It was, it was great. So eight five five four fifty free is the number here. Uh, all kinds of uh, stuff to talk about. Of course, you can take control of these airwaves. Still on the way. Imagine breaking up the United States. That's the headline on a Wall Street Journal piece. And I have to say, it's pretty exciting that mainstream media is talking about the idea of secession. That's fantastic. Yeah. We need to have more of this. The concept of secession needs to get out there into as many people's heads as possible so it can get out in as many conversations as possible and so people can take it seriously again 
as a potential solution to this behemoth, overarching, controlling, leviathan-like government. Hour 3 is coming up. Free Talk Live. When the power goes out for any length of time, you've got problems, starting with food that's going bad, even in the freezer. No communications, living by candlelight or flashlight, it's a bad place to be. The solar flare cycle is heating up and has already done damage to the grid. NASA and NOAA tell us that next year and in 2013, it will take down large sections of the grid for days or weeks at a time. Hurricanes and floods also cut power for several days or weeks. You can protect yourself now. The SG-1 solar generator by Sound Wisdom produces 5,000 watts of household current, comes with 230 amp hours of battery, 220 watt solar panels, and a built-in battery maintainer desulfator. This is the only portable system you can add as many batteries or solar panels as you like. It will also convert power from windmills, water wheels, DC welders, or gas generators, any source of 12-volt DC power. See it now at freetalklivesolar.com. Technicians are standing by now to answer your questions even during the Sunday night show. freetalklivesolar.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free at 1-855-450-FREE, 855-450-3733, and you may take control of these airwaves. Joining you in here tonight for the third hour, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. You may get interactive there, and you can do it for free. Unlike those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites and... We do it free over at freetalklive.com, so enjoy. Uh, of course, uh, lots to discuss. You may take control of these airwaves at one eight five five four fifty free In the meantime, we're going to tell you about the Wall Street Journal and their piece about secession. Now, the Wall Street Journal, that's probably one of the most noteworthy mainstream newspapers in the United States. It's in the top five. Uh, yeah, for sure within the top five. And when these mainstream media publications and TV and radio places start talking about secession, it's got to say something about its validity as at least something to be considered. Because, you know, if, if people thought it was something worth turning their nose up at, they'd ignore it. They wouldn't even dare, it wouldn't even grace their pages. They wouldn't even print a, an editorial about it or a, a letter to the editor. But this is an actual, you know, basically what appears to be a feature uh, length piece. And you know what? I just noticed it's a little on the old side. But nonetheless, uh, it's it's a couple years old at this point, but either way, I think it's still important to point out that uh, that people are talking about this. Free talk live with your breaking news. Uh, let's first go to the Christian anarchist. However, he is on the line. Somebody who I think would support secession. Gene, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. First, hey. I wanted to before I get into my subject say congratulations, Ron Paul, for the money that he's raising today, and I hope it gets to be a lot more in the next three days. Yeah, he's at one point eight million right now. No, wait, this is a, th- a three day long thing, or I thought it was just a one day that blacked this out. Yeah, well, they changed it. Really? You know how these things change? Hmm. Okay. okay. So, I think everybody's going to be counting to see how much he can re- earn on that one day, though, because that was they're they're kind of trying to redo what they did four years ago in the uh, the original campaign with the four point three million dollars that they raised uh, in the one day, and I imagine they're attempting to eclipse that in one day. Yeah, well, actually, the uh, December 16th one was $6.1 million Really? Wow. Yeah. So it would be nice to eclipse that, but uh, right now it's tipping $2 million and it'll probably go to 
probably 2.2 in the 24-hour period. Okay. So, and now I'm, I have my Corvette wrapped as Ron Paul. I don't know if you saw that on Ron Paul forums. Uh, I didn't, no. I've got some pictures of my 2004 Corvette, and I wrapped it in a Ron Paul wrap. Now, what does that cost to get a, your car wrapped? This is that fancy stuff that they put on, like, the, the bus windows, stickers, right? Yeah. And that uh, typically a wrap like that costs about 2400 but I found a uh, guy that was a Ron Paul fan, and we got it done for a lot less. So. I nice. saw the pictures of that. It's pretty, it's pretty snazzy. <laughs> and it gets a lot of attention. People are honking at me and stopping to take their picture with it and stuff. So. That's great. Now, are you going to be able to remove it, or are you just going to pretty much leave it as the Ron Paul mobile? Uh, it can be removed. Uh, I don't know. After the election, I might remove it. We'll see. Is it dated? I mean, I haven't seen the picture. So is it, say, 2012, or is it something where you could you could run it again? Like, it, let's say Ron does it again another four years. Would you still be able to use the Ron Paul mobile at that time? It, the only part that's dated is uh, ronpaul2012.com. I see. The, Maybe you could just put extra stickers of if Rand runs. And then you yeah, just put Rand, uh, randpaul2016.com. That's, that's his son. So, uh, yes. so what else did you want to share tonight, Gene? I wanted to talk about uh, high school band competitions, marching band competitions. Now, okay. I don't know. You've probably never even heard of such things. And before our they son, exist. Yeah, before our son got in the band, we never had any idea that such a thing existed. But it's very, very interesting. And if anybody has a high school band competition in their area, and they do have these big competitions uh, all over the country, it's very interesting to go and watch it now. I've compared them to the college bands because after the football games, you usually see the, the college marching bands, and they're generally much larger than the high school bands, although there are some very big high school bands as well. Uh, but they're different in that the college bands depend more on sex. You know, they got the girls in the batons twirling their things and walking around skimpy outfits, so the band doesn't do that much in the college level. But if you go to the high school level, it's amazing watching the performances that these kids put on with the formations and the music, and uh, it's really, really good. Yeah, I uh, had to, for whatever reason, got to see a lot of band performances um, at in my high school time, and it, it was really amazing, the formations they'd do and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think they've probably gotten much better since then. They probably know. have figured the new things out in the, the last what, 20-something years. You'd probably really like the uh, Arang then in North Korea then. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. It's probably We're, very impressive, yes. It's, I, it I is very impressive. I mean, they force everybody to do it. But, <laughs> right? it's, it's, it's impressive communism. It's incredible what they've, uh, yeah. what they've achieved. It's amazing what they can force. But I'm just, I'm kind of uh, sad because our son is going through his senior year and he's moving on to college. And this will be the last year that, that we'll be going to those band competitions. You can go to any of them you, you want. Yeah, Gene. you can't just go and lurk creepily at a high school band competition. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, you can go. A lot of people do. You can just buy a ticket. That's why I'm saying anybody out there interested in seeing these, they're very, very, <laughs> they're very, very good. I'm sure that we'll still go to a few of them, but we're not going to go to every one like we do now. And of course, I, gotcha. I used to really be into the high school football team, uh, the school I went to, and uh, really, you, know, you didn't play. You were just I, into. I them? just liked watching the games. I I was rah rah go. You know that that high school, and um, mm-hmm. I went to 
a game when I came, you know, when I got out of prison 10 years later or whatever, just same, to see what it's same like. School. I really didn't care at all. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly did not care at all. Gene, thanks for the call. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free. But line. I do think these high school, high school uh, the band things are a lot more intricate, and you're seeing something that's uh, an amazing, amazing thing. I just don't know, you know, if you don't have skin in the game, as it were, uh, you know, what it might be like to, to go watch. What about you, Nemi? Did did you have any interest in the, these activities while not, you were in school? Not particularly, no. Yeah, me neither. No, I wasn't really into sports. I, I mean, I was into sports, but not any sports that had marching bands. Yeah, I didn't really care about any kind of sports. And actually, the school I went to didn't even have a football team. So <laughs> that's right. The uh, the fighting the python school is that right? <laughs> <laughs> They're at uh, Pine View. <laughs> I think they had like a tennis team and a golf team. There was chess club. There was well. intramural sports where you would play amongst yourselves. Intramural. Intramural. Uh, people that would, like, you would play sc- sports in gym class and, and things like that. Well, I mean, you know, there's gym class where they'd have a little baseball game or something like that. Is that what you mean? No, intramural means uh, sort of after, I, I, I don't know exactly how, um, how they would define it, but it means you play amongst people in the school. You the only after sports. school stuff was uh, tennis and golf, from what I understand. Yeah, I think that might be the case. Yeah. Which that's I also what, had no interest that's in. What the, the, the gifted, the gifted class is yeah. all about. The gifted school <laughs> is all about the tennis and the golf. Yeah, what? I went to a big school that had all this stuff, and it wasn't great either. So there you go. One eight five five four fifty free is uh, the phone number here. So over at the Wall Street Journal, I'm just going to give you some excerpts here from uh, this piece that they've got. Remember the classic Beatles riff of the 1960s? Writes Paul Starbin. You say you want a revolution? Well, imagine this instead. A devolution. Picture an America that is run not as now by a top-heavy Washington autocracy, but in freewheeling style by an assemblage of largely autonomous regional republics reflecting the eclectic economic and cultural character of the society. There might be an austere Republic of New England with a natural strength in higher education and technology. They sure would. (laughs) A a Caribbean-flavored city-state Republic of Greater Miami with an anchor in the Latin American economy. And maybe even a Republic of Las Vegas with unfettered license to pursue its ambitions as a global gambling entertainment and conventioneer destination. California, America's broke, ill-governed, and way-too-big nation-like state might be saved, truly saved, not by an emergency federal bailout, but by a merciful carve-up into a trio of republics that would rely on their own ingenuity in making their connections to the wider world. You know, one thing that's sort of, um, I mean, imagine being in Nevada and not living in, say, um, Las Vegas. Imagine what it's like in state politics and local politics and federal politics, not having your voice heard at all. Mm. I mean, same thing with New York, right? With New York City, New York City, and the rest of New York State. I mean, you know, it just it it doesn't these these metropolitan areas really screw up states as far as uh, their politics go. Let's continue here. Uh, secession is on the table. You can, of course, bring up whatever's on your mind. At one eight five five four fifty three. That's eight five five four five zero three seven three three. You can bring up what you want. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. The first secret to success is recognizing opportunity. The second is to act on it. But how do you gain the skills to know how and when? AllSuccessClub.com. Meet successful individuals online and in exotic locations around the world. Find out from the rich and famous how they went from rags to riches and learn how to achieve financial independence for yourself. Your path to success begins now at AllSuccessClub.com. 
toll free at 855-453-1855-450-3733. Joining you this evening, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. And we invite you to our website over at freetalklive.com. You'll find a lot of stuff there. We give it to you free. The news updates, great way to be uh, kept in the loop with Free Talk Live. So you'll know what's happening with the show as it happens. You'll be the latest, or you will know the latest as it uh, is occurring if you are on the news list. And there are various different ways you can get that information. You can get it via email, which is, in my opinion, the best way, the most reliable way. There's also Twitter and Facebook if you would prefer. You can sign up for any one of those or more than one. All free over at news.freetalklive.com. That's- You've been sending out a bunch of those updates um, recently. I, I didn't send out any of them while you were in your little incarceration stint over two months. It's but not because you couldn't. It's, I don't know how. Um, but You click new post. Right. I, I, I know. I mean, it probably seems very, very easy to you, but, uh, you know, the, this, I, it seemed like I had enough to take care of. At I the gotcha. Time. But, um, you know, I, I, I get most of my news about free talk live. This is how I find about news stations and that, that sort of thing. It's, it's, uh, it's a good way to do that. News.freetalklive.com. Yeah, exactly right. Now, hey, we're talking about the idea of secession and the free state project isn't a secessionist movement, but there are a number of free staters like myself who are people that believe in secession and would support that uh, as a as a solution to achieving liberty in our lifetime? I support I support secession in the sort of uh, the, the the sense that I would like to see it happen. However, I don't think that uh, you know today it seems like a very realistic possibility. I, I don't think it's realistic as in to, it could happen tomorrow, but it is realistic as in it could happen within the next twenty years uh, or ten years, perhaps. It uh, might. I think that nullification is probably the way to go. That New Hampshire declaring its independence in some to some extent from the United States government, um, you know that that's the the the, the step cool down that man path. if you can get them to nullify that's fine i mean I, I would support that as a step on the path but it would seem that if you can get people to support the idea of nullification then why not uh, bring them all the way because who can really defend sticking with the federal government besides somebody who's receiving a check from them so i don't think it's necessarily going to be so much a voluntary choice because i don't i don't see um new hampshire if we're speaking specifically of new hampshire i don't see um, folks just saying, okay, we're going to secede. I think it's going to be a matter of necessity when the Fed goes bankrupt. Well, that's why it's important to talk about it now. Right. Like that, I can, poss- I can see that happening. I mean, it, it, it seems like the Federal Reserve is spending itself into insolvency. The United States government um, may very well not be here in five years if it continues down the road that it's continuing, that's going down. And could it, could that be? Yeah, that might be. I think the only reason – I think there is only a few reasons why people oppose the idea of secession. One, they love the status quo and they don't want to change it. Uh, also, the, there could be somebody who's opposed to secession because of fear of what they think the federal government might do. They'll roll in tanks. They'll nuke us or whatever the, the fear is, which, of course, really is an indicator of why secession is so necessary. Because sure. you're that afraid of these people. You think that all it takes is for one little de- de- you know, decision, a political decision to uh, secede from the union and that they're going to roll in tanks on you. That really is a, should be an indicator of why it's so necessary. Uh, aside from that, I think others uh, don't support secession because they're probably benefiting from the federal government in some way. You know, They're receiving a check on a monthly basis, or they work for the federal government, or they're a contractor uh, of the federal government, so, uh, or, you know, or they're you know, working for the military or something like well, that. Well, I think a lot of people just like the colors and the eagle. Um, I mean, that's... <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. I really believe that a lot of people... There's I no like more the thought colors than that, huh? You might I, be right. I, I think, you know, I mean, it's this sort of, uh, you know, but our team uh, it, it, it that's right. I think that to some extent, that's what it boils down to hmm. familiarity. 
Well, so here's the the uh, the story, which is fairly lengthy over at the Wall Street Journal, WSJ.com. You can look up uh, the headline, Divided We Stand. It's also called Imagine Breaking Up the United States. And they talk about how uh, it would be a devolved America, a vision faithful both to certain post-industrial realities as well as the pluralistic heart of the American politi- uh, political tradition, a tradition that's this been is, betrayed by creeping centralization of power in D.C. over decades. This is another thing. Um, is so, I mean, you know, how difficult is it for – I mean, you, you know, the, the government pitches uh, pits two groups against each other. Take a look at um, the United States. I mean, you can basically see the, the – you know, in the presidential elections you can see that shape of red and that shape of blue why in the world should the people in the blue area have to deal with those people in the red area and why should those people in the red area have to deal with those people in the blue area because that's the way it's always been explain to me why i mean if republicanism or conservatism is so gosh darn swell you know why shouldn't those people be able to make the conservative states the united states of america or whatever and then the uh, the liberals or whatever you know i mean Frankly, I would like to see the New Hampshire liberty-oriented state of America. Yeah, the purple state. The, the one, you know, the white state, <laughs> as it were. But, you know, if, why, do they, why do they have to deal with them? Why do people in Texas have to, those darn people in Hollywood, you know, and mm-hmm. New York City, they want to tell us what to do? Well, pfft. It's frustrating. And, and you can imagine how <laughs> the people in the blue state feel about those barbarians. I think it's ultimately because it's always been that way, number one. And number two, that uh, there's some level of, well, they've been controlling me, so now I'm going to control them back. So, Mark, I have a question for you. If if New Hampshire does secede, does this mean we're evicting the, the transplants from mass back to mass? So this is a very interesting question. And what does one do if New Hampshire becomes this free state? What and and you know things get better here because that's what we all believe who um, who believe in the ideas of freedom believe that you know the standard of living is going to go up. Uh, you know people are going to live longer. People are going to have be more prosperous. That you know it's going to be a great place. And everybody moves in who then wants to change the government uh, in, back to whatever it is, you know, from Massachusetts or whatever it is that they move from. And likely you would have a lot of people moving from Massachusetts who are used to a nanny government like, oh, well, this thing isn't going particular where, well, this, uh, you know, this this young child who has a learning disability isn't getting the best education they could get. So we need everybody in the community to provide their education for them or whatever it is that they do. How does one deal with that? Because unless you can make a systemic change to the Constitution, of the state of New well, Hampshire. No, see, okay, what you're looking at is the kind of surface-level politics and questions about takeovers and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, ultimately, you're right. I mean, that's certainly a, a, a possibility of something that could happen if you don't change that, like you said, that systemic level, uh, that root-level issue of what whether or not people believe in the idea of a monopoly on violence. And if you don't change that root idea, then yeah, you're absolutely at all times ripe for some sort of a political takeover. In the same way that you know, out in Alaska, even though they legalize possession of marijuana, uh, that, you know, later on somebody comes back into power and they decide to change that. Uh, similarly, you see these struggles, uh, these fights in politics, where it's this tug of war, and some you know, there's a few feet gained on one side, and then a few years later, the other side gains uh, some you know, some some length back on on theirs, and it just never ends because those people haven't come to the conclusion that the system is is wrong or that there's something immoral about it they just want to have their way and so you have to have people's hearts and minds change 
I mean, period. That's the only way that we're ever going to get to a truly free society where people understand that freedom is allowing others to to choose for themselves and to be free and to make mistakes and to allow the community to respond to people that are in need on a voluntary basis. These are all things that people need to come to before it'll actually ever stick. Otherwise, it'll never stick, and it'll be completely subject to takeovers, like you're talking about. And indeed, and, you know, it has to it, it has to be systemic in the sense that you have to change people's hearts and minds, right? But constitutions would need to be changed too. You've got to make it to the point paradigms of states. You've got to make it to the point where people look at government, the monopoly on violence that we're familiar with today. Look, look back on it as like what? Look, look on it like slavery. Like, like, imagine somebody coming into our community now and clanging a drum in the center of town and talking about, we need to bring slaves into this society. They'd be run out of there on a rail. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Tombstone Pizza. With multiple varieties to choose from, there's a Tombstone Pizza that's sure to please your family. What do you want on your Tombstone? Family dinner is important, but who says it has to be at the table? When life gets busy and the pressure is on, pull out the good paper plates and settle in for pizza and a movie. It's fun, easy, and memorable for the whole family. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Talk live. Bring up anything you want. Toll-free number 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Listening options are there. Live streams, broadband, and dial-up versions. Both running around the clock, 24-7. The latest episode of Free Talk Live is available to you to tune in over at listen.freetalklive.com. Plus, you'll get a list of our 100-plus great radio stations carrying the show throughout the week at various different times. Our satellite listening options, including XM Satellite Radio and our free-to-air channel, the webcam, and the listen lines that allow you to call from any phone that can dial long distance. All of it over at listen.freetalklive.com. Sound Wisdom's SG-1 Solar Power Generating System can give you the basics in an emergency or be expanded to handle your whole house. It will take a refrigerator, a freezer, and maybe your well pump or some other you know sort of necessary items off the grid, and it will power them 24-7 at that point, paying back for itself unlike a regular generator would, and it can be expanded over time. You can expand with the other solar panels from other companies. You can you get ones get more from uh, Sound Wisdom, or you can use even uh, windmills or water mills or whatever you want. Go check it out. They have free education uh, available to use. All you have to do is make a telephone call. Uh, it's freetalklivesolar.com. You can get the number right there on the website, freetalklivesolar.com. They will walk you through. They know that not everybody's going to be comfortable buying a solar system just off the Internet that they need to talk to somebody and find out more about their specific instance, um, and they'll do that for you. It's freetalklivesolar.com. So we've been talking about secession, uh, the Wall Street Journal publishing a piece about it. Uh, imagine breaking up the United States, led into a discussion about the idea of the Free State Project, which, of course, I actually didn't get to mention last segment. Uh, freestateproject.org is where you can go to learn more about that. It's the reason Mark and myself are here in New Hampshire. Nemi, you were here uh, prior to the Free State Project. I was born here. Right? You're a New Hampshire native. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say you're relatively friendly towards the concepts of uh, what the Free State Project's all about. Absolutely. 
getting more liberty-minded people to concentrate their activism all in the same place. But as Mark pointed out, if that's successful and we actually do manage to slash drastically back uh, on the government or, as some might uh, envision, completely eliminate the monopoly coercion, uh, the monopoly on coercion, that is, uh, the government – then uh, there's always the concern that, well, what if somebody comes in and ruins the party? What if uh, a bunch of uh, statists from Massachusetts or New York decide that uh, they want the extra freedom that is available in New Hampshire, so they make the move and then attempt to uh, to Massachusettsize it or Massachusettsize it? And, of course, that's what's happening now. Uh, people from more statist places are moving to New Hampshire, and they're taking you know political roles. And a lot of people that have lived here for a long time would say that that's one of the biggest problems that New Hampshire has. Absolutely, absolutely. I've um, I've mentioned on the show before that um, in researching any uh, Second Amendment rights is one of my my personal uh, pet projects. Something I really keep tabs on because New Hampshire is is absolutely fabulous in that regard. It's one of the best one of the best states. Not the best, but one of not the best, the best but next door to the best. And uh, <laughs> it would only take a few changes to make it the best. Right. right. And and they're coming. They're coming, I believe. Uh, this was a fantastic year for, excuse me, for self-defense in New Hampshire, the best since um, 2A was um, adopted in 82, I believe. But what I see is that when um, anti-gun, quote unquote, legislation comes up before the New Hampshire House or Senate, it is proposed by someone who is not a native. Mm-hmm. And, and generally, so far, Knockwood... Um, it has not been supported by anyone who is a native. So there to was, me, that's important. Well, there was that one ban on guns in the state house that did go through for a little while, and then it was repealed. That was um, uh, that was the decorating committee um, passed a rule, and then um, they attempted in the following session to make it a felony to carry, and also wanted to install metal detectors in the state house. Uh, the metal detector bill was not. Uh, sponsored by a native, and I don't believe the one that would have made it a Class B felony. I don't believe Delmar Burridge was a, is so, a native. So neither of them made it through. No, neither of them made it through. But they did successfully ban guns from the state house for a short uh, period of time. For like a short for period months, of time, and and as it stands now, um, open carry is not allowed in the gallery or really? on the floor. Yep, that I happened thought they'd repealed this that year. whole thing. Okay, I didn't realize that. happened that. this year, yeah. So um, th- let's let's make something uh, abundantly clear here. They never passed a law that wouldn't allow people to carry a gun in uh, the state house. It was a committee that's in charge of decorating the state house. Right, it's the uh, facilities committee. Right, mm-hmm. Some, they, you know, they, they, they make sure that the floors get vacuumed and stuff like that. Okay. So, I mean, this was a bullcrap rule from the get-go. Absolutely. And it was passed. It's funny you say bullcrap because it was passed the week of Christmas while everyone was away. Interesting. Um, didn't think anyone would notice, and and then lo and behold, all sorts of people noticed, and there yeah. was a really they big take guns about real it. serious here. Yes. So we what do. about the open carry thing? Is that a law or is that another? Rule? No, that's a rule. I see. That is a rule. So would it be? Uh, would you simply be evicted from the state house, or would you be arrested? No, you would be asked to leave, and if you didn't leave, you would be arrested for trespassing. Trespass. Interesting. One eight five five four fifty three is the number here. So we're talking about uh, what might happen if the Free State Project is uh, when? How about when the Free State Project becomes more successful? More people move here. Uh, things start to change in a more pro liberty direction in New Hampshire. I think that, like I pointed out before, you've got to change people's hearts and minds. You can't foist uh, liberty on people until they're ready 
mentally for those ideas. And it has to get to the point where the idea of the state, this violent monopoly, has been eliminated from people's minds to where it's like slavery would be today. Like if somebody proposed slavery today, someone proposing the state in this you know theoretical future that we're talking about should also be looked at as a looni- Looney Tunes. What are you talking about? Bring back the state? Well, we, things have been great without having this, uh, this violent monopoly around. Why would anyone in their right mind want to go uh, back into the past and bring back this decrepit, dangerous and violent old idea i appreciate what you're saying i think uh, where i come in is in in a middle ground sort of capacity where i am all set with the fed personally Mm -hmm. but new hampshire we have a pretty awesome constitution and and, they don't care about it well that's not true (laughs) (laughs) the new hampshire constitution has the 10th amendment the right to revolution article 10 and our excuse me article 10 uh, when I brought that up in uh, in court, it was basically the response from the the prosecutor was, "Well, your your situation doesn't rise to the level of uh, right to revolution." Well, I I understand that you and and Michelle Seven also was talking about her case, and she was told not to even mention the Constitution. And I I think that's yep, that more of a too. more of a practice of a, a judge, an individual judge versus. Um, the state mentality as a whole. So I, well, like I said, I appreciate where you're going with no state at all, and and maybe eventually, probably not in my lifetime, but where I, where I would see it going is no Fed. The Fed dissolves, and and New Hampshire continues. You mean on Federal as a state. Reserve or Federal Government? Government. Okay. Both. I'd, I'd be fine with both of them dissolving. But yeah, I mean, I get that. And I think that's a that's a good first step. And I would fully support that. And that's why we were talking about secession in the in the first place. Right. But uh, what I was referencing is if you want to make it to the point where the invaders, so to speak, the statist invaders from Massachusetts that Mark was so concerned uh, about, the only way they could never be effective is if the the native population in the area in which they were so-called invading would just not accept their ideas. Whoa, whoa, bring back the state? That, that's the point it would have to get back to because right. if people were still of the mindset that, well, majority should rule, then, well, then the majority will rule and we'll be right back where we started again. I think that it's possible um, that, you know, a possible quick fix to their con- to the Constitution is that everything has to pass, say, with a two thirds or three quarters majority, some kind of super majority. And then you would see if you actually got back to the point where there was a much, much smaller government, that would be where you'd want to implement. That, clearly, right? this would be a group of people that was interested in, in downsizing the group of uh, the, the government if they even passed something like so that. The idea then would be to try to keep things that way rather than allowing someone to come in and, and modify it. And also think about it from the perspective that there are some people that are very upset about the Free State Project. They don't sure are. They don't like the idea. They, people that support the status quo, they don't like the idea that people are coming in here trying to change things, when, of course, many of them have come in here for the purpose of trying to change things from Massachusetts, but change it They'll in say a, they've been here longer, though. <laughs> but change it in a, an anti-freedom manner. But once the liberty-minded, uh, say, state representatives and other folks start to really get a foothold, and they've already gotten 12 people or more than that actually elected as free staters uh, to the state house. Once that starts to get even larger and more influential, it'll become a very frustrating place for those people to be. And I predict that those folks are going to leave. I, I think hope it's, so. It's far more likely that they're going to get out. Like that lady that used to live in your town, Mark, she freaked out eventually and ended up selling her house. Yep, that, that's and she true. Was, she was one of the biggest critics of the Free State Project. More coming up. Free Talk Live. 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Moments remain. Enough time for you and your thoughts. So if you want to make a call in to one 450 free that is a toll-free number. It's brought to you by SACL CAI. Joining you this evening, it's Ian. Nemi. And Mark. one 450 You can get online and get stuff for camping and more over at Manventure Outpost. That's right. If you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, Man Venture Outpost carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment, much more. Lots of name brands. As a matter of fact, uh, they, some of the prices that they have are so low, these uh, name brand manufacturers won't let them advertise those, uh, those rates. Um, they're family-owned and good standing with the Better Business Bureau. You can uh, get a 5% discount with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from manventureoutpost.com. All right. So 855-450-FREE is the number here. We're talking about secession, and the uh, the Wall Street Journal had brought up uh, the idea. And it's nice to see mainstream media talking about this. And this is a, this is a feature-length piece. We wouldn't have time to read this entire thing. But I thought it was worth mentioning and, and you know giving, giving you some excerpts here. So we'll continue. Uh, so they're talking about the proposition that the America of the 21st century, propelled by currents of modernity that tend to favor the little over the big, may trace a long circle back to the original small government ideas of the American experiment. The present-day American Goliath, meaning the government, may turn out to be a freak of waning age of politics and economics as conducted on a supersized scale. Too large to make any rational sense in an emerging age of personal empowerment that harks back to the era of the yeoman farmer of America's early days. The society may find blessed new life, as paradoxical as this may sound, in a return to a smaller form. This perspective may seem especially fanciful at a time when the political tides all seem to be running in the opposite direction. In the midst of economic troubles, an uh, an aggrandizing Washington is gathering even more power in its hands. The Obama administration, uh, you know, they point out some of the big government stuff they did, like the bailouts, uh, etc. What has the Obama administration done that is uh, pro-liberty? Right. I'd love to know. What has the Bush administration done? They're all just building on each other. They're all making government larger and more intrusive and more oppressive. All of this adds up to a federal power grab that might even make FDR's new dealers blush. But that's just the point. Not surprisingly, a lot of folks in the land of Jefferson are taking a stand against an approach that stands to make an indebted citizenry yet more dependent on an already immense federal power. The backlash already underway is a prime stimulus for a neo-secessionist movement, the most extreme manifestation of a broader push for some form of devolution. So the Tenth Amendment Center and the, the guys that are advocating for nullification would be not quite as an extreme uh, version of this, but this is what they're saying is the most extreme manifestation, and they're right, and, and it's about time. When every, uh, every, rea- every action has an equal and opposite reaction, so the government gets uh, huge and people start to demand the smallest possible option, which is to eliminate it. 
meaning the federal government. As uh, Nemi was pointing out, just get rid of the federal government. Then we've got 50 state governments that uh, would be in competition. big. <laughs> would be in competition with the rest of the governments around the world. I mean, what are there, like 200 uh, so-called nation states around the world, basically? About that number. So you would be increasing at that point. If you had 50 different uh, places, you might not. You might have, you know, California, Washington, Oregon, or who knows how it would end up breaking down. But you could essentially increase the amount of uh, states from which to, uh, to choose to live in uh, around the world by you know 25 percent you know overnight. What? the peoples uh that uh you know the the people that ag- uh, advocate empire essentially do it out of fear they say well if the united states isn't the world's policeman and by that they mean to be able to do anything you want because frankly most policemen uh, can pretty much get away with most things that they want to do if they're not if the united states isn't the world's policeman then who will be that will it be china will it be russia who will it be and what will the world be like if that organization is doing that and for one thing i'd point out the united states military is bigger than every military on the planet put together so whatever it is that those uh, you know those states decide to do, it's going to take them a while to fill those shoes. And I think that you'll probably see more human liberty up to that point. And then when you see more human liberty, are people going to want to go back? Is what I wonder. I can't imagine. Do people want to go back to slavery? Only the the most crazed some, lunatics. Some do. I mean, that I'm much sure. Is- I'm sure some would. Only the most absurd, absolutely antisocial, lunatic people like Scott the Bigot would want to go back to something like slavery. Mother government. Government will take care of you. Government I mean, is, I mean, the fact is, it is slavery, right? Yes. I mean, you know, it's just what what name are they going to slap on this? Your thoughts are welcome. 855-450-FREE. At this point, the government already tells you what school you're going to go to, and consequently, to some extent, what classes you're going to take. It steers what you're going to be in life, even if you get to choose what it is that you do for a living. What I mean, you know, what's the next step to where they decide, well, you're better at this, you're better at that? I mean, they're already, 90% of the population is going through their uh, little little cattle chute, mm. and they are having their classes shoved down their throat and they're not being exposed to other sorts of educations that they might get that might steer them down other career paths so i mean you know the only difference we have between slavery and what we have now is the government essentially telling us a you can't leave and it already has an exit tax so you have to pay to get out which you know in roman times slaves could buy their freedom so you have essentially slavery from the from the standpoint that they claim to own you in the geographic sense yeah how do you buy your freedom today you could go to a different country would be what other people would say. You could go to Antarctica if you wanted to have freedom. Well, I believe Antarctica is already owned by – claims have been laid. Bits of bits of Antarctica claims have been laid, but essentially it is uh, in, uninhabitable. So the freedom you would have would be the freedom to die a very slow <laughs> – uh, you know, a, a painful cold. and cold death. <laughs> right. um, but a free death. But, it, but you would be free. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean you, if you want freedom, there's the open seas. Yeah. Uh, I mean that – there, to some extent, it's out there. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that if uh, some United States vessel decided to uh, to catch you uh, 200 miles out and say, hey, we're going to come on board, there's not much you could do about it. Even for the hard-edged secessionist crowd with their rapt attentiveness to America's roots, popular texts in the future trend genre mingle in their minds with the yellowed scrolls of the anti-federalists. The cornerstone of my thought, Daniel Miller of the Texas Nationalist Movement, told me, 
is John Nesbitt's 1995 bestseller, Global Paradox, which celebrates the entrepreneurial ethos in positing that the bigger the world economy, the more powerful its smallest players. More convincingly, the proposition that small trumps big is passing tests in real-life political and economic laboratories. For example, the U.S. ranked eighth in a survey of global innovation leadership released in March by uh, the Boston Consulting Group, the National Association of Manufacturers, with the top rankings dominated by small countries led by the city-state Republic of Singapore. The Thunderbird School of Global Management, based in Arizona, has called Singapore the most future-oriented country in the world. Historians can point to the spectacularly inventive city-states of the Renaissance Italy as an example of the small truly making the beautiful. This is true with Hong Kong, too, but... Singapore, no liberty paradise. Um, interestingly, I mean, they, certainly not. They are small, and they have a lot of fiscal, um, you know, fiscal freedom. You can do what you want from a business standpoint, but when it comes to sort of social things, they're a very conservative place. Oh, no doubt about it. And and as it would likely be with a place like, say, Utah, for instance, as compared to California, if we did have a separation between the states, it there makes would one be... wonder what it would be like for Utah trying being in the you know essentially no rivers, uh, no way to uh, you know do shipping and things like that. Well, there's it would... air, air shipping and uh, and ground shipping. Yeah. I mean, you can get things in and out. You can things go in and out between European countries, and you know they make that work in South America. So think, products will travel. There will always be a way to make that happen. It's, it's, but these lines that we have today, would they survive a breakup of the United States? I don't know. Maybe they would. They do That's have gravitas. They these uh, there are state governments there, but would some state governments would they be better off in banding together? It would seem like uh, Idaho would have some advantages of uh, teaming up with Washington in order to have some coastline centralizing post decentralization. Somehow, yeah. I, you know, regional regional um, republics. You know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. How, though, to get from big to small? Secessionists like Texas's Texas's Miller pledge a commitment to peaceful methods. History suggests skepticism on this score. Even the American Republic was born in a violent revolution. Although I would have to agree with peace as the solution because you can't have peace in the long run if your methods aren't peaceful initially. You can't fight the federal government either. There is that um, too. And the fact is that – Well, Afghanistan is doing an all right job. But yeah, you'll, you'll people, it would not be pretty to fight the federal government. The, the only thing that Afghanistan's doing uh, – there, there are uh, hundreds of Taliban and dozens of al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. And so they're not fighting. They're hiding. Um, and you know they'll come out every once in a while and create a little trouble and then, then go back in. So that's uh, – you know, I mean could you cause some, some trouble? I suppose you could. But um, you can't fight the federal government from the standpoint of uh, you know, stand and fight situation. And when you've looked at uh, you know, civil disobedience and civil resistance, is three times more effective than fighting anyway. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't keep your movement peaceful, it's likely bound to fail. So, more talk about secession, obviously on the horizon for this country. And if uh, you haven't brought it up at the dinner table, why not? Start talking about these ideas. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. And now it's time for the Leadership Radio Minute with tips and advice on how to maximize your own leadership potential. Here's international leadership expert and New York Times bestselling author, John C. Maxwell. The late Red Auerbach was at times coach, general manager, and front office president of the Boston Celtics. And in the process, won 16 NBA championships. When asked about his team's success, he said, When I first started coaching, people told me to put my five best players on the court. But I learned early on that this was not the key to success. 
It wasn't putting the five best players on the court that was going to cause us to win. It was putting the five players on the court who could work together the best. If you want to build a championship caliber team, learn individual people's strengths and weaknesses, and start putting people together according to who creates the best team. For the Leadership Radio Minute, I'm John C. Maxwell. For more information on how to maximize your own leadership potential, please visit johnmaxwell.com. True leadership isn't a matter of having a certain job or title. In fact, being chosen for a position is only the first of the five levels every effective leader achieves. In his new book, The Five Levels of Leadership, leadership expert and New York Times bestselling author John C. Maxwell helps you to become more than the boss people follow only because they're required to. He gives advice on how to grow further, achieve results, and build a team that produces. The Five Levels of Leadership, the newest book from John C. Maxwell, is available wherever books are sold.